0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. This is, as a church, um, what we do here on Sunday is to pre- prepare us for what we can do Monday through Saturday. And uh, so what we do out of church needs to be the outworking of what is happening inside of us when we're here. And uh, because if, it, if that ever changes, then we're missing the point. You know, that the Jesus came so that we could see what it was like to live like him. And uh, not so that we could become God, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not how that works. Um, but so that we could learn how to live the way that God created us to live. And then we see how the Holy Spirit came and filled us with supernatural power so that we could be, Acts chapter one, a bold witness to the world around us. It's kind of hard to be a bold witness when we just keep our witness in a building one day a week. Imagine what would happen if everyone who's a Jesus follower began to get that revelation that what happens, this isn't, this isn't Las Vegas, that's our neighbor, we can make jokes, we're in, we're in the family, where what happens there stays there this is, this is the kingdom of God where what happens here has to be contagious. It has to be contagious, because when it stops being contagious, it becomes religious. When it becomes religious, it has a form of godliness, but no power whatsoever. And so I'm just so grateful for everybody. I know, uh, and that we, we, there's probably 10 or 12 other people that, that wanted to be there, but had, you know, jobs call them in and stuff. and. And I'm kind of glad because honestly, had we had everybody that had signed up or expressed interest, we just would have had to take half of them and be like, just go somewhere and find something to do. We're overrun here. So that's good. So that tells me when we do this next year, that tells me that uh, we're gonna need multiple projects. We're gonna have teams, we're gonna break out, and we're just gonna continue to spread the impact of of what God allows us to do in our, but that, hey, that's the type of church we wanna be, guys. We. We're not doing this for for us. We're doing this so that God can do something in us that gets out of these walls. And that's always going to be our heart. That's why we always want to grow. We always want to expand as God gives us the ability because we know that's going to expand our ability to impact our region. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a couple of scriptures I want to lead into this morning um, in the few minutes that we have. And, And I'll tell you what, worship was amazing. I love it. You know, preachers sometimes say dumb stuff like, um, wasn't it good that God showed up today? <laughs> like, well, was he not here last week or calling sick or what? Um, God's here every week. That's the faithfulness of God. But I, just, I, love, those, I love those moments where things kind of become extra tangible. Um, and, and I just, I hope, I really hope that if, if what we were doing up here at the end of worship and praying over, if that's you, man, I just really hope that you take hold of that Um, it's not just like some pixie dusk and you walk away and you don't have to change anything and everything's different. That's not how it works. Uh, But God does supernaturally heal. And I I honestly believe this is what we're talking about with the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the very thing that kind of creates the core of strength um, for your body and for your life and your existence. Um, But if we begin to realize that God starts our transformation with our mind, um, you know, Romans 12:2 talks about that, and that's how God begins to transform you by changing the way that you think. If you will allow God, the next time that addiction thing pops up, choose to speak what God is trying to put inside your mind, which is this. You're like, I've never heard God. Most of the time we hear God by his word, and we hear God even by other people, that God is speaking through them to you. And yes, God directly through his Holy Spirit speaking to you also. But the next time that addiction pops up, just know that you have the authority and the power yes. to speak to that thing and just say, I don't need you anymore, yes. and walk away. Good. I would love, even next week, I would love somebody to come up to me and say, I tried that, and I have, I've been free of X, Y, and Z for a week. I tried that, and I had to do it a couple of times in one day, but I, you know, I just, just contend. Fight, yes. fight for what is rightfully yours, not because necessarily, hear my words, not just because you deserve it, but because it's God's best for you. Yes. Yes. God's fighting for you, but God will never force you into change. He allows you to become a partner with what he is leading you to do. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear testimonies come in, so don't hesitate for that. Um, Father, open up our hearts and our minds. Right now, just in these moments that we have, God, we know that you can do things in an instant to transform us. And and God, transformation and change, which we all know everyone loves change, but God, transformation and change is what you are constantly after inside of us. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to be flexible in our soul, flexible in our spirit, and responsive to who you are. Help us to lean in today with faith, an expectation that you're going to do what you say you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, all right, so here, here we go. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 to 31. This has kind of been a key verse for the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and if you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. Um, you know, we always Every week I'm telling people, download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Trust me, you'll discover the gold in it later. Uh, but it's just so great to have with you because if you don't have the good physical Bible, which I feel like everybody should have and uh, you still have it at your fingertips, but today, if you don't have either, that's okay. We're gonna have it up on the screen behind so that you can follow along. This is, a, a, again, Isaiah, he's talking about, um, well, I'll just, I'll just read it. Y'all, y- y'all are smart. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord, last week we talked about wait, it's an expectation. It's not waiting because God's late. It's not impatience. It's waiting, like leaning in. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me go to another scripture. Again, this is to kind of lead us into what we're gonna hit today. Matthew, this is the, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Uh, It's the first gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels that that tell us the account and the words and the life of Jesus when he was here on earth. Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. And it says this, these are actually, this is Jesus' words here. Then Jesus said, "'Come to me, all of you who are weary "'and carry heavy burdens.'" Anybody here? Come on, anybody relate to this right now? This is, for, this is why he said it. This is all humanity. No matter who you are, where you're from, at some point in time, you're gonna find yourself in this position. And again, just to remind you, this is not a quiet church. You don't have to just sit and listen to me talk. You can, you can interact with me. You can say amen. You can make noises. Mm-hmm, that's good. Preach that. You can hanky wave. You can stand and point. All acceptable at Convo Church. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and listen, this is, the, this is a promise from Jesus. And I will give you rest. Amen. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke being uh, in, their, in their agriculturally driven society, a yoke was the thing that they would put around the neck of an oxen so that you could pull a plow and it would plow and prepare the field. So you, it kind of paints a picture of work, paints a picture of action. Uh, and, and, and kind of in our own reality, it paints a picture of being heavy. Well, that's hard, like it's heavy. So, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. There's still a yoke. He says, Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Again, he's talking about rest here. So, check this out. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. So, on two sides here, if you're trying to find a yoke free, burden free life, then you're mistaken. If you think you're following Jesus, but the yoke is extra heavy, the burden is more than you can handle, you're off base a little. Jesus wants to bring us to a place and a partnership with him to where what our purpose is in our life is something that there's an ease to it. Doesn't mean easy. You hear what I'm saying? There's an ease to it. It's not easy. It's not burden free. But it says that the yoke is easy, and the burden is light. Uh, this series, summer soul. This whole series has been about, as a church, my wife and I desperately want to see our church prepare ourselves for what's going to happen in the fall. And I'm trying to I'm trying to train you guys and turn everybody in here into church planners, just to think that way. That there are two times a year where the population of a city is most wide open to respond to the gospel, most wide open to respond to invitation to church, most open to check out something that they haven't checked out before, and that is uh, September and the end of January. Not the beginning of January, people are still working on a hangover, but at the end of January, they're ready like, oh man, I got my head hurts, I gotta try something different. Those are the two times a year. So you will, as the years continue to move on with Convo Church, you will begin to realize a pattern when we get to the summer and the end of summer, you will see us preparing ourselves as a church for what we like to call a relaunch in the fall. That doesn't mean that we're shutting the church down and starting over a new church. That just means that as we present ourselves to the city, we are relaunching ourselves so that they know more about us and they're ready to see if this is the thing that they've been looking for, and uh, they think it's church, we know it's Jesus, so Jesus uses the church to be that thing, right? And so right now for us, we've been talking about how can we continue to prepare our church for strength in the summer so that when the fall gets here and we relaunch in the fall, which will probably be on our, our church's anniversary, which this coming year will be September 22nd, that's when we will turn one year old as a church. That's amazing. I can't believe it's already been that, that fast. But here's the deal. Um, so often in the summertime, uh, you, see, you see church populations kinda kind of dip out and that happens all, all over the place. And it's, it's not hard to figure out. Summertime, vacation, travel, things are happening. Sometimes we, we disconnect because of summer and then we reconnect and that's, that's great, that's normal. But it's been so encouraging for me, I don't know if it's been encouraging for you, but we can, at Convo Church, we have continued to see uh, strength of, I don't know, strength of interest, strength of attendance, strength of growth, and and uh, throughout the summer. And uh, and I love summertime, but I'm just, I'm too, I'm too antsy and missional thinking about the fall to be like, I just want summer to last forever. I'm like, no, summertime, play the song three times, good. Now we're gone, let's get ready. We're ready to go, ready to rock and roll. It's just me, I'm sorry, I'm, that's that's what, that's what your pastor's like. So, um, so I'm excited for the fall, but I'm more excited about seeing what God has been doing and continues to do. So we want to have a strong soul. Your soul, as I've already said, is your mind, your will, your emotions. It's what you're thinking. And, and what you're thinking typically directs what your life does, right? And so uh, we've done stuff before where we've researched not just scientific, but even biblical proof of how the way that your mind goes, so goes your body. Uh, even your health, believe this or not, can follow stronger what your mind is telling your health than even what the, the exterior signs of what you were seeing. And so science, even people that don't believe in the Bible, don't believe uh, in Jesus, have proven that you actually have the ability to speak life into unhealthy things in you, and just that can transform things. That's crazy, isn't it? That's just unbelievable to think, well, it's, you know, it's not necessarily, okay, if I got this and I got to load up on pills and pills and pills and pills, and now I got to take this pill to counteract that pill, and this pill is going to counteract that pill, which counteracts, and we're going nuts with the pills. And we wonder why we have such a crazy uh, prescription pill problem in our culture. Because we have relied on the power of something that is ingested to transform what God put in us. We have a mind that actually has the ability to transform And I get it, I'm not, you know, it's like, well, you can't, that doesn't fix everything. I get that, I get it. That's not what we're saying, but what I am saying is that more times than not, we are rejecting the power of what God already put inside of us to transform our life. And to transform our body. And so I want us to have a strong soul as a church. Last week um, our podcast is live on Spotify, on iTunes. Just look up Convo Church in the podcast and you can catch up to what we've been talking about with uh, with having this strong soul. Last week we talked about uh, uh, getting strength from waiting on the Lord. That, that kind of goes against our human nature, right? It, it goes against what's normal to us. Waiting is never something that we're good at. Waiting, we would never uh, uh, equivocate waiting to something good going to happen because we think about we're waiting in traffic. I'm waiting for my coffee at Starbucks. How hard is it to make this? Why is this taking so long? We're waiting for people to get ready so that we can go somewhere. We're wait- And so we don't think waiting is a good thing, but God tells us that waiting is the very thing that will strengthen us if we're waiting on him. And it's not an impatient waiting, it is a expectation waiting. Like, a, like last week I said, like a kid on Christmas Eve who just can't wait for the next morning. And he's waiting because he knows he can't change time, so he just has to wait with his eager anticipation of what's gonna happen. And that's what God wants us to do with him, is to wait with wait, You know, W-E-I-G-H-T uh, on the W-A-I-T, there's wait on it. And so today I wanna talk about, uh, I wanna talk about rest a little bit. Anybody here like a good rest? Anyone here, like on a, on a Sunday afternoon, something happens and, and you go into a catatonic state, there's just instant nap time? Uh, you know what, for me, and I don't think it's because it, sometimes you're like, I got the church hangover and I just gotta go take a nap. Honestly, I think it's, um, I think God built that in us. You know how God created, if you go back to Genesis 1 and there's seven days in the week, and on the first six days, God created everything, spoke it, formed it, put it into existence, put it into motion to the point where as we see what's out there, our minds are pff, out in the world. How in the world did God do this? But even on the seventh day, what did God do? God got himself some lemonade, he got himself a recliner, a really big one, and he kicked that thing back, and he rested. You know what? You know it says he rested because everything was good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I hope somebody's writing this down. God wants you to have a rest that is not the product of things being broken and worn out. God wants to give you a rest that is the product of what he is doing in your life is good. good. But something's got to change, doesn't it? So vacation. Vacations are great. I love a good vacation. How many of you have ever been on a vacation that when you got back from vacation, you needed a vacation (laughs) (laughs) to recover (laughs) from your vacation? What is wrong with us? How, we're clearly not doing this right. Like the whole point of the vacation, like I'm going to work for 50 weeks and I got nothing left and I'm going to go on this vacation so I can come back recharged and ready to work for another 50 or 51 weeks, whatever. And we're going and we're going and we go on this vacation. And then all of a sudden we're like, I got to do this, got to do this. I'm going to go fishing on vacation. That means I'm going to have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. You can't get up at four o'clock in the morning and get to work. And you're trying to rest, and you want to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning so that you can rest. And then you don't catch fish, and you get sunburned, and you come back, and you go to sleep, and you're like, you can't move, and you can't sleep because you're all sunburned. And so we have this, we have something messed up in our mind trying to get us to rest. The rest is not working. And so, uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy the way that, that we do rest because I think the way that humanity does rest, most of the time, because sometimes you get it right, you know, sometimes you, you, you just you just kind of check out and, Takes you know 20 deep breaths and you get a power nap. I can't power nap. Does anybody have that power nap ability? I don't, I don't like you anyway. No, I'm joking. I love you. Um, I if I fall asleep, it's, it's, it's game over, and if I wake up, which you have to when you take a nap, uh, I'm just like I'm like a grizzly bear that got woken out of you know hibernation at the wrong time, and I'm hungry and I'm grouchy and I'm growling at people. And uh, so for all you power nap peoples, God bless you, you got skills. Um, But check this out. Um, There's two different kinds of rest. There's the way that we typically do rest and there's the way that God does rest. God's rest will always deepen your connection with him and with his people. Our type of rest tends to detach us and create separation from God and separation from people. So let me give you my first confession, this is for me. I don't know how many times I've been in a moment where I was going, whether to rest or getaway or a vacation or trip, and, um, and for me, I, I don't know about you, but the, there's this beautiful thing on the YouVersion app that it, it keeps a streak of how many times you've been on there, like how many days in a row, and for anyone out there who's competitive and you just, you're just you an overachiever, all that type of stuff, it, it, it feeds that, and, uh, and so, I mean, I like that. It's, it's not just a competitive thing, but it kind of reminds me Okay, hey, you know, keep it going. Hey, you're doing good, 16 days, good. Uh, At one point, uh, and this was actually leading up to, I think it was a vacation, leading up to it, I had a streak up to like 100 and some, like 160 some days and I was feeling spiritual, I was feeling pumped, I was feeling close to God and then I went on vacation and got busy with vacation and then one day during the vacation I realized, oh no, I had not opened up my and Bible, I've been doing devotions there and I I open it up and I see it loading and the streak area pops up and I look at it and it says, one. (laughs) I was was devastated, I was so upset. But that kind of even proves my point that, that detaching the way that we tend to detach and rest, it actually disconnected me from the pursuit that I was having with the Father but rest that God wants to have is a rest that will always keep you closer to him. And so for me, and I'm trying to teach my kids and, 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 and I'm trying to get better at it myself, And when I do have rest time, that I make it intentional and I make sure that I bring God along with it and bring him into the mix so that I keep the, uh, attached to him. And that through that, I'm being recharged so that I can stay attached to the people that God is putting around me. And that's not just family. That's, that's everything. So there's no better example. This is, this is, you know, good theology here. There's no better example when it comes to life, the life that we're living. You know, how, do, how am I supposed to live this way? What do I do in this situation? You know, wh- why is this happening? What should I do? Than to look at the life of Jesus when he walked on this earth. Um, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer theologically that, that the per, one of the main purposes of Jesus being here, other than, you know, salvation and redemption and all those things, was to actually show us how it can be done. And that doesn't mean, well, he was Jesus. You know, he walked on water, I tried, and that didn't work out. Okay, you don't get it, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You know, but he, Jesus showed us that living a life victorious over the things of a broken world is possible. And it wasn't just possible because he was Jesus, it was possible because of how he lived in connection to the Heavenly Father. And it's possible for us. So um, one thing we have to understand about Jesus, here's some more good theology, when it comes to understanding God. Jesus was 100% God, fully God. He was 100% man, fully man. He was uh, born of a, of a woman, born of the Virgin Mary, but not from the seed of a man. Uh, he was brought into this world in poverty, but we see the, the blessing of the Father throughout his life prospering him. Uh, he lived in a world and faced everything that we faced. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 4.15, it tells us that Jesus, was tested, he was tempted in every single way that you and I are. You're like, really? Like even like 2,000 years ago? It's like, yeah, maybe they didn't have the internet, but the internet didn't change the temptation, it just changed the speed of it. All it did was change the frequency of it and, and the accessibility of it, but it has always been around. And it says that Jesus faced everything that we faced, was tested in every way that we're tested, but did not sin but did not give in to those things. And that's another moment where we get to see, hey, we have somebody who's fighting for us, that's Jesus, who's praying for us, who's interceding for us, who can understand us. God's not a God who doesn't get what you're going through because he went through what you've been through. And I will even take it a step further. He has been through more than any human being would ever go through. Like, well, you don't know my story. I don't need to, God does. God can relate to you. God understands who you are and what you're going through. So here's the deal: Jesus was a real human. That means he had real emotions. That means that Jesus has a soul, he had a mind, he had a will, he had an emotions. That means that Jesus was happy, he was joyful. I always picture, you know, like you kind of, for some reason, when you read the gospels, you just kind of, at some point in time, you picture Jesus around a campfire with the disciples. And, and ladies, I'm sorry, but when you get a bunch of guys hanging out in the evening around the campfire, manly things happen. And I'm just, I'm just picturing this Jesus who's having fun with that, who's having fun with the guys being guys, being, you know, being silly, being dumb, being, being smelly, hey, uh, being whatever. And he's laughing, and he's having fun with it, and he's having a good time. And, and, uh, but you also have to realize that he was a real person. Jesus was sad. Yeah, Jesus was sad. Jesus got angry. What? Yeah, it's in the Bible. Jesus had the emotions of anger. Jesus was mad. Jesus got frustrated. Jesus, Jesus even questioned his heavenly Father. He's on the cross. He's crying out to his Father, why have, you, why have you turned your back on me? Why have you forsaken me? He's cried out for help. And the moment before he was arrested and, and led to the cross through that series of events, he even went to God, he's like, I don't think this is, uh, this is gonna be good. Is there a different way that I can do this? If it's, you know, can this cup pass away from me? I don't, I don't want this, but he always came back. But if this is your will, I'm gonna do it. But he still, he questioned. He, he wept. He wept with emotion. He, he got tired. And that's the one that I wanna hit on. Jesus got tired. And so you know what Jesus did when he got tired? He found rest. How did he rest? So I'm gonna give you One. (laughs) I'm gonna give you one way out of two. We'll see. One or two ways of Jesus. I only got two. I'm just trying to figure out how I'm gonna get to it anyway. But here's the first one. Jesus found rest in getting away. You can write that down. Jesus found rest in getting away. And the second one you can write down because we'll come to it. Jesus found rest in serving God's purpose. So there's rest in getting away and there's rest in serving God's purpose. So I wanna talk real quick about the getting away part. So in, in Mark chapter 6, we see this thing happening where uh, Jesus had just sent his, his 12 disciples out on their first ministry trip without him. Kind of like, all right guys, let's see if you can do some of the stuff I've been teaching you. I've given you authority, let's go for it. So they're out and they've done their thing and apparently it was, it was wildly successful. They're coming back to Jesus and they're pumped up and they're telling him about it, but. At the exact same time, have you ever had a day where great news came to you, and then at the same time, really bad news came to you? At the exact same time, and it kind of kind of messed up the good moment, it made you sad, whatever. But at the same time, the disciples were returning. Another few disciples came from, uh, from the camp of John the Baptist, who was one of Jesus' childhood closest friends. Uh, he was a first cousin to Jesus. And one of John the Baptist's disciples came and said, hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, Jesus, but... Um, they just they just killed your one of your best friends, John the Baptist, he was just martyred. Uh, they had his head chopped off and and uh, we wanted to tell you. So Jesus, guess what? He's what fully man? How how would you respond if, if, if your best friend and closest relative somebody said, Hey, they they just they just you know this just happened. Jesus was sad and it says so the disciples came in and, and he goes on to tell them and it's up there, I'm kind of paraphrasing, you can kind of see it up there. Um, But it says that he kind of looked at his disciples and said, hey, let's tell you what, guys, we need to get away. Uh, We need to rest. You guys have been working hard. Y'all need rest and to recharge. I'm going to show you how to do that. And he goes, and you know what, I I just, I need a break too. I need some rest. And so they were going to get away, and it says that the crowds actually recognized Jesus, and and it kind of paints this picture that literally as they're in a boat trying to go across the Sea of Galilee or trying to get to another place where they were going to go retreat, you kind of get this picture that the crowds were like literally running along the shore, following them to where they would go. So that when they did land and get off the boat, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. Bible tells us there was probably 5,000 men in their families. And if you know anything about the Jewish culture, they, they like to have lots of kids. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't opposed to that. And so some theologians would say there could have been as many as 20,000 people waiting for a tired, hurting, emotional, emotionally drained Jesus. And so, did Jesus say, "Sorry, guys, not today. Shop's closed. I gotta go. I gotta go. Kind of take care of some business." It says that he was moved with compassion, and he stood there and he taught and he taught them all day and he preached and he taught and he ministered and prayed and until the point where one of the biggest miracles in the New Testament happened, because they were like, "You know, Jesus, hey, uh, it's getting late. These people gotta go home, and we don't have any food." And Jesus says, you feed them. And then we get into the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000, which is actually closer to 20,000, with what? Two loaves of bread, a couple of fish. Isn't it crazy how even in a moment of tiredness, if we keep our hearts sensitive to the people that God loves, miracles can happen. Miracles can happen. But it doesn't mean that you don't need to recharge or rest. It says, after that, Jesus uh, sent his disciples ahead of him. And so at this point, Jesus knows, okay, guys, I'm gonna send you ahead of me. Maybe if I'm not there, you guys can kind of chill and rest a little bit. I'm gonna, I gotta get away. And it says that Jesus dismissed everyone and then he went away to the mountain to rest and to pray. Now, there's a couple of things. If you're gonna get away and rest, if you're gonna recharge this way, you need to understand that rest that is found in getting away the right way, there's a couple of things. Um, It always preceded a time of intense ministry to people. We tend to wanna get away because people are, we're tired of people, not because we're tired because we loved people. We're tired because of what people are doing to us, we're tired because of the pace of life, we're tired because of what we're chasing and what we're going after. But rest uh, found, or rest the right way, God's way, it always preceded for Jesus, a time of intense ministry to people. It always included solitude, him getting away in a place of solitude. Jesus didn't go on, on to rest by killing himself on a vacation, by doing all the things and when he got back, he was like, I, I got nothing left. That was supposed to recharge me, but I got nothing left and now I need another vacation. It always included prayer. It always included waiting on his father to renew his strength. And it all, listen to this, this is important. Getting away to rest always prepared Jesus to go back into loving people and engaging with people. So we know when we come back from a rest and we still don't want to see people, we don't want to engage with people, people are still the annoyance. We know that we actually have not rested and we still need to pursue that with the Father. Now, the, the, the wrong way, if you get away to rest, uh, it, it, it usually, it never proceeded, uh, when Jesus went away, it never proceeded offense from people. But you think about that for a second. We want to get away because sometimes we've been offended, we've been hurt. Sometimes people do that in church. I need to get away from church because somebody hurt me, somebody offended me, somebody wounded me, somebody treated me the wrong way, somebody said something that I didn't like. And instead of leaning into an environment where that can bring healing and restoration of relationship, we want to get away from it. God said, don't get away from that because that's going to follow you. Offense is always going to follow you. And you know what's crazy about that is that typically you're the only one who knows about the offense that's following you. It's controlling you, even though you are meaning for that to control the other person. Uh, Rest, uh, when Jesus got away, it never included busyness, being busy. Uh, It never excluded God, and resting without God is like plugging a cord into a a socket that's not connected to power. God is looking to recharge us. But I love this, that coming out of a healthy time of rest Um, Every single time, when you look at how Jesus did it, every single time, it was always preceded with more miracles, whether it was feeding the 5,000. Later in that chapter, they went to another city, and it says that literally every day, different cities, regions, constantly, because Jesus was recharged, it says that everyone he touched was healed. And so I love it, that, that resting in who we are, trying to get recharged, it, has, it needs to produce a fruit that is going to be uh, allowing us to make an impact in other people. Now here's the thing, that's, that's resting to get away. And here's the last one, resting uh, by serving God's purpose. And, I, and I have, I'm not gonna read this, but I have one thought that I wanna drop on you guys. And this goes back to that, uh, that, that whole thing where Jesus says, the yoke I give you is easy, the burden that I give you is light, um, constantly, Jesus found his recharge in doing something that the Father had put in him to do. Isn't that weird how you can be recharged by doing something? Anyone here ever had an activity that you do that it still uses your energy, still uses your strength, it still might make you sweat, it might make you physically tired, but by the time you're done doing it, you're ready to go. Like, I'm ready, like, let's go, let's do some more. Like for me, honestly, for me, I could I could stand up here and I could do this, service after service after service after service, because I get I get pumped and I get recharged talking about this and seeing people respond to the, to the love and the grace of God. And yeah, when I go home, I'm like, you know, I think I posted a picture a couple weeks ago. One of my kids stole my phone and took a picture of my post-Sunday comatose. Uh, but there's something about doing the will of God that fires you up. Why? Because it's connected to your purpose. And when you begin to fill your purpose with what God's created for it, there's, there, you can go all day. You can go all day. So in, in John chapter 4, we see this crazy account where Jesus was with his disciples. They were walking a long journey. They came to this town in Samaria. They were exhausted. It says that Jesus was tired from the journey. And so his disciples went into town to, to, uh, to go grocery shopping and get some food from Whole Foods. And, and Jesus was just kind of resting on this well, exhausted. And a woman comes up. And, um, and he says, you know, he begins this, this crazy convo with this woman. Hey, can you give me some water? And all of a sudden it goes from water to, uh, to, to uh, hey, by the way, um, I know everything about your life. And, uh, and, and you have had five husbands and the guy that you're living with now is not your husband. Whoa, how, this escalated. And all of a sudden she's like, this dude, there's something about this guy. And so, and then it goes into a convo about religion and all these things are happening while the disciples are gone. And uh, and it says that then as the the disciples returned, it says they were confused as to why Jesus was having this conversation uh, with this this Samaritan woman. But (laughs) you just gotta laugh at these guys sometimes. But none of them have the courage to ask Jesus Hey, uh, what, are you, what are you talking about with this lady? What's going on here? What are you doing? Nobody had the courage, but they were thinking it, and it still somehow got into the Bible, so maybe they've talked about it later and, and confessed. But, but they come in, and this lady literally drops her watering jar, and she runs back to the city and, and says, Hey, there's this guy that knows everything that, <clears throat> about me. I don't even know how. Is it possible that he's the Messiah? So all of a sudden, the disciples are coming back with their grocery bags, and they're trying to give... You know, Jesus is a Snickers bar and they're trying to give him some, you know, some filtered water and all these beautiful things. And Jesus is like, I'm good, I'm good. They're like, yeah, but you you know, you should probably eat something, teacher. You know, you're, you're thirsty, remember, we just walked, you're tired, you're exhausted. And he's just, he's bouncing on his feet. He's like, nope, I'm good, I'm good. And they don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden he, he tells his disciples, hey, turn around and look, watch this. And they turn around and it says that all these people from the city were flooding to where Jesus was because they knew, they knew this woman they knew her reputation, they knew what was going on, and all of a sudden this guy shows up, starts reading her mail, which is, is, uh, is code for, he, he's just kind of, he knows everything about you and he just told you. And he's reading her mail, and all of a sudden all these people are coming. And what was, where Jesus was tired, all of a sudden he finds himself in a position to be completely filled and completely recharged because he, he just got to, to do what the Father had set up for him to do. And too often we are avoiding the things that God is setting up for us to do because we're tired, because we don't think we can do it, because we don't think we have enough, and we limit God by limiting ourselves. And God wants you to step in obedience into the very thing that he is calling you to do. And I'm telling you that as you wait on the Lord and walk in what he's called you to do, strength will come from that, energy will flow from that, and all of a sudden you become more productive and empowered than ever before. I love this. And as as we wrap this up, as we wrap this up, I hope that as a church, we can learn how to rest. And I hope that we can learn how to rest God's way. I hope that we can learn how to charge ourselves and to even encourage each other in how we need to charge ourselves in the church world it's it's so common for people to uh, because we get we do get passionate about what we're doing and, and it's very easy for us to get caught up in, in the tasks, in the doing, and, and we begin, you know, at first what we're doing charges us and then all of a sudden we, we keep doing And because it seems like the same thing, especially for church planners and week in, week out, we show up on a Sunday morning and we're we're setting up pipe and drape, we're setting up instruments, we're setting up chairs, we're uh, putting up signs, we're setting up convo kids and, and what, what began as something that charged us because we're like, I can't believe we get to do this. Can't believe what God's doing. We, 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 lose, we, we, we lose sight of, of the why behind why we're doing what we're doing. So common, and it happens to me too. We lose sight of the why, and when we lose sight of the why, I really believe that's what disconnects the power cord, and we see the battery slowly begin to drain. And we keep doing the God things, but we're doing the God things without connection to the power source and our battery gets lower and lower. And I'm telling you, burnout in the kingdom of God is so real. I can't stand it when people act like it's not a real thing. Like, well, just go pray, just go pray. And just go read your Bible, You're gonna, it'll make you better. And when we act like burnout, we, we, we don't address it because we act like burnout and, and spiritual fatigue and mental fatigue is not a real thing. And it is a real thing, which is why we have these, these two things that God has given us from the example of Jesus of how to rest. I want us to be well rested in our soul so that when we get to September, it is time to take ground. It's time to take territory. So can I pray for you this morning? I wanna pray even right now that there would begin to be a a supernatural rest that begins to to come alive inside of you. There's a rest God wants you to have in your getting. Sometimes getting away is not a vacation. Often getting away is maybe the 15 to 30 minutes that you get that you give to the Lord when you wake up in the morning. You're you before before you check social media, before you uh, check the news, before you hop on email and start working, before. say, you know what, I'm just gonna get away right now. I'm gonna quiet myself. I'm gonna give the Lord time to to fill me and to interact with me and to give my my requests and my concerns to the Lord. And then there's those that are here where you've been, and I'm gonna hear hear what I say. In this environment, you have been um, riding on the coattails of those who are being charged through serving. And God is here to encourage you this morning to let you know that you've been waiting to lean in, but it's time for you to lean in. It's time for you to become a part of what you've been attending. And there is going to be a supernatural charging that begins to take place inside of you as you find that place that begins to connect to your purpose and begins to connect to what God created you to do and who he created you to be. Father, I thank you so much today, Lord, for your love and your grace. I thank you, Father, that you don't want us to just get smoked out, burned out, tired. You're not trying to tell us to just walk it off and push through, but Jesus, you gave us an example through your own example of that, yes, we have to get away, we have to recharge, we have to go to the Lord, wait on him, be refreshed, be renewed. And that we can also continue to be recharged by connecting to your kingdom purpose in our life. God, we ask that you would begin to do that work right now in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes. And share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at convochurch. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church podcast.